released on Sunday, January 11th, 2015. This Agile Life, Episode 70, Horrible Waste of Space. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello, everyone. I'm the host of This Agile Life, John Sextro. Joining me today are my friends, favorite friends and co-hosts, Jason Tice. Hi, John. Happy New Year. How we doing? Happy New Year, Jason. We're doing very well. Thank you for carrying forward with the podcast recording assurance program last week and and, uh, and doing well executing that, doing all the recording duties. Was that fun? It was fun. Uh, it was fun to work with Amos and deal with some of those wonderful uh, challenges that we have sometimes getting this whole thing started. But you know what? It's all about the final product and it's nice that we, even after a bumpy start, we all got to a nice destination at the end. Yes. Was and- I a challenge? Oh, always. <laughs> there he is. Our third, our third wheel tonight, Amos King. I, I am definitely the third wheel. You're, you are the third wheel, but in all, in all the good ways. Okay, guys. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something that I sent out an email on, actually. Did you guys get my email earlier yeah. this week? Yes, I did, John. It was great. And I... I'd love to hear if we got any responses from it, because I know in the past we've tried Twitter, and Twitter doesn't always work well because it's kind of in the moment, but maybe email works better. Who knows? Yeah, we did get some responses. And if you haven't already done so and would like to get these emails, go to thisagilelife.com and sign up for uh, our 10 best Agile resources, and we'll, we'll start sending you those emails on a regular basis. I'm going to try and do that more frequently. Oh my goodness, John, does that mean that if I fill that out, I get I get 10 people to show up and I have 10 awesome developers and coaches and QA people and stuff like that? No, no I'm glad that you call them people after you referred to them as resources, though. I'm just no. asking because some people might want some <laughs> more resources. And so they'll say, wow, if I listen to this Agile Life, I get free people. Yes, our 10 <laughs> Agile resources are definitely not people. Because oh, people, people work are here. not resources. Yes, people are not resources. All right, tonight we're going to be talking about an article that was published in The New Yorker. Wow. The we New are Yorker. hitting the big time. They're, they were talking about Amos, Jason, and John in The New Yorker. Oh, no, wait. That's not at all what it was about. It's, the article is called The Open Office Trap, written by Maria Konnikova. And uh, she was lamenting all of the bad things that that she has experienced personally about working in open offices. Before we get too far into this, I do want to make it very clear that I did not receive the email until very late, so I have not read this article. What email? The email about us recording a podcast tonight? Well, yes, yes, that had the link to this in there. So I'm sorry if I did not get to read this article. But you got my email a few days ago. From this agile life, right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So you could have read it then, but you were just ignoring me. <sighs> I was. John, John how many times? It's episode 70, I think, right? Yeah. Have we not? We knew Amos has a pattern. 
No, Plan wait. Planning. We don't do this planning thing. That's what he no. is, okay? I I read articles before that we sent out. Just didn't have time to read this one. Oh, so we wait. Okay, so maybe Amos should be going, well, John, we waited until beyond the last responsible moment to send this out. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I blame you, though, because you, you set up this recording. Oh, me? Yes. But then, yeah, but okay, fine. All right. I don't All think right, everybody right, wants to. I don't think everybody wants to hear our inside baseball <laughs> now. But for let's have a quiz. So if you're listening to it, well, let, let's pretend we're watching Dora the Explorer. Oh so no! Right now, right now, John and Amos and Jason are are demonstrating an agile anti-pattern. What 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 are we doing that's really bad? And there's a pause if you watch Dora because that's when your kids are supposed to answer. So hopefully you're listening. You're like saying, "I know it." I'm yelling right now. And 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 what do we think that is? So John, what's the Magusta. answer? So, so John, yeah, Rojo, Bob, Bob Rojo, Bobino. So, John, what's the answer? What, what are we doing here? It's really actually bad. What are we trying to do to each other? I don't know. You lost me at anti-pattern. Point fingers. Yeah, we're trying to blame each other. It doesn't matter. We need to work together. Mm. Don't blame me. You look. If you're still looking for a New Year's resolution for 2015, don't blame people on your team. Work together. Move forward. Good Yay. point. All right, let's move forward then. We're moving forward. No more, no more blaming. We're going to be talking about open office spaces. And I'll just quickly summarize the article that was in the New Yorker. Uh, Maria talks about having to transition in her work out into an open office space. And then she goes into some detail about some of the problems that she has experienced. She first references a study from 1997 that was conducted by the University of Calgary. Uh, they talked to the participants before. They talked to the participants four weeks after the experience began, and then six months after the open office office experience began. And the data that they collected said that the people indicated that open office workspaces were disruptive, stressful, cumbersome. They were dissatisfied working in that environment, and they felt resentful about it and that their productivity fell. She also goes on to reference a second study in 2005, and it, she, was, she quotes in there that the workers said, or the study, the folks uh, conducting the study said, when the workers couldn't change the way the things looked, adjust like the lighting, the temperature, and choose how to conduct meetings, spirits plummeted. So, that was a quick summary, and if you didn't notice, She's coming out against open workspaces and saying that they might be for the millennials, but they're definitely not for her and people older than her. So she she references that a little bit, but then kind of comes back and says, well, maybe not, maybe not even for anyone. And maybe open workplace, open floor plans are just overall bad. And I, of course, personally feel like open floor plans or working environments have been very good, my experience has been very positive. So that's going to be our topic tonight, all about that article. Jason, what do you think? That, that's fine. And, and John, one thing I just wanted to point out for our listeners is to, I think we might want to clarify, but because amongst the three of us um, on this episode, at various points in our career, we have all worked in organizations that did provide an open office. So we, tonight we will be speaking from firsthand knowledge and I'm sure as we have some, or firsthand experiences is what I want to say. So uh, this is something that all of us have experienced, um, some of us for multiple, multiple years, even almost, I, I know for me, it's almost a decade actually, uh, where I've been in various forms of open environments. I don't, 
don't know if anyone else wants to share their their level of familiarity with the concept. Yeah, I've worked. Uh, I've I've worked for uh, private offices, cubicles, and uh, large open spaces, and uh, probably probably close to a decade in open spaces. My experience is very much similar to Amos's there, so uh, almost almost identical. And and I craved. I even said this in that email that I sent out to our listeners this week. I said I cr- I craved initially and early in my career having an office. But at that time, when I really wanted an office, then I transitioned into working in open floor plan areas. And I was like, office? What was I thinking? This is, this is great. I, I hated the office slash cubicle first time I walked into one. Uh, I, I worked at an organization that had like they had cubicles that, but they were really tall cubicles. Like you could stand up in them and still not see over the top of them. And it really stifled communication for me and for the other people we would end up get, and they were giant cubicles too. You could fit four or five people in them. We would end up gathering in one person's cubicle after the first couple months of, of us working there. Cause it was just hard to discuss things, hard to communicate without like, trying to call a planning meeting or, or go sit in a room together. And it, it just made it really hard to work together. Well, let, let me ask a question now, because, because I think we might want to clarify, you know, John, when we say open office, I mean, I'll share maybe a challenge that's out there is if you don't make everything open, does that end up creating problems? So, you know, say you've got your delivery team, or your, you know, your dev team is in the open area. Maybe they've got a pit, you know, where everyone's sitting around doing doing development. But then other people who may be affiliated with that team or technically on that team, like say product owner, business analyst, whatever, maybe they have an office or they have a a different work area. And I think that's where I've personally seen that that can create a barrier that can challenge the team. That's a good well, point. I and. That's something that we can talk more about. I want to go over a few things. So I want to go back to the point that Amos was making. He started talking a little bit about cubicles. So personally, I think cubicles suck. I think that they, they give you a false sense of privacy because they don't block noise. They, they, they barely block noise. And they certainly don't contain the noise. So noise comes in, noise goes out. You think that you're having private conversations when the person right next to you or across the way can really hear everything you're saying. Um, and, and, and people, I think, behave in a more, they're, they're louder when there are cubicles than yes. when there are not cubicles because of that false sense of the fact that there's, that noise is going to be contained and blocked. Uh, I think that I heard more about, uh, uh, <laughs> um, fights with spouses and <laughs> and infidelity with spouses when I worked in buildings that had cubicles than anywhere else. Oh my. <laughs> what do you have to say, Jason? I, I think it's a people function. Um, like I've actually worked mm-hmm. in open workspaces where there's there's challenges back and forth between, you know, two teams that are in the same open space next to each other and they they create noise just because we're doing work where we're talking, you know, we're pairing and it goes back and forth. And so cubicles, it's an issue, but it can also be an issue in an open space. Yeah. But my point is 
it isn't worse in an open space than it no, is. I, I, in I, but I think that's a neutral issue. So if we're looking for pros well, and cons, this is I, not. A, this I, is a draw. I think what John is saying is that when people feel comfortable in their cubicle, they feel like they can be louder. Yes, and so they are. Now it may okay. not be every experience uh, for for people. But I do think that there's that false sense that I can I can be louder because these cubicle walls are going to block that noise, and they don't. And when there's an open office floor plan, you know there's nothing blocking the noise. So are, are there people that sometimes um, violate the noise ordinances of open workplaces? Yes. Yes, I that's think, me. I think they. <laughs> I think more often that ordinance is broken in in cubicle farms. There's some truth to that, but I guess a, a, a word to the wise or a word to those that are looking for that I think if you believe that, first way to back up what John's saying, or what Amos is saying actually, uh, walls have ears. And yes. inevitably, <laughs> you will, first way, if you're crossing the line, you'll, you'll know when it happens, you'll find out walls have ears. <laughs> and additionally, uh, the cubicle walls are a horrid waste of space. I don't know if I agree with what was what. They're a waste of space, but I, in many places, and, and to be fair, because we have a lot of listeners out there, one thing I don't want this episode to do is to get people frustrated because sometimes, you know, you might have a job and for reasons, if you're like a, on a team, for reasons way beyond your control, not that you couldn't influence change, you have a cubicle. Uh, so, I, so, you know, you could use a, I've, I've seen people put a Kanban board up on their cubicle, um, a wall. I've seen people, uh, you put little information radiators up there. I've worked. I've worked with places where they're not allowed to put posters up in the, anywhere. It's like a company rule. But I've seen people in teams uh, on teams that have cubes. They make little like little uh, team charters or working agreement lists, and they hang them in their cubes. So there, there can be value there. Yeah, I I had things that I was working on and all kinds of stuff pasted all over inside my cube that was organization. So I utilized those walls, but they were still awkward. And when I needed to talk to somebody, I had to go like lean over the wall, even though they were right next to me and yeah. get their attention. And- well, I'll share one thing. And I'm surprised <clears throat> this didn't come up in the article. And I'll, I'll admit, I was looking for a source, but I couldn't find one, an official source. I'm going to gander. If you've ever studied um, the amount of space you need for a, for a team. So you got a team, you got eight people. I look around and think about it. If you have an open workspace where people can sit around tables, you know, and, and collaborate and pair program versus everyone having their own desk in an individual cube, that takes a lot less square footage than if you build it out with cubes. And so if you're if you're running a business, that reduces your rent. I have a 12 by 15 office and I've had four of us in here developing together. Uh, and we probably could have had six of us because we had three desks in here. But we were pairing a lot and we could have probably had two people at each desk and had no problem. Yeah. And, and I'll share like when I do workshops, um, I've actually found ways to simulate this with games. So um, I do a, I do a game um, where we like flip pennies, like to simulate different types of, you know, we do waterfall, we do scrum, we do Kanban and we simulate doing work by flipping pennies. And sometimes to demonstrate how that can impact a team, I'll have a team that I force them to sit like at a big table and it, they have to move the work around, and there's there's waste there because there's so much space. And then other times they'll say, you know what, hey, team, self-organize. And what always happens is the team will figure out if we sit closer, we're able to work faster and do the, you know, flip the pennies, and there's less waste involved. So sometimes if we – cubicles, they, they literally physically separate people 
And remember, in Agile, we're trying to communicate better. So it's there's some value to trying to say, let's all squeeze in and have a little bit of fun. What what is that word, John? Propinquity? Propinquity. Yeah. Propinquity. I was close. Jason, you you I think you more eloquently and with more words definitely stated what I was stating when I said cubicles are a waste of space. What you said was uh, an open floor plan is a more efficient use of the space. And that's what I meant. Yeah. And the other thing is inherently more flexible because uh, I mean, Bingo. again, again, things that especially sometimes I'll share, you know, I do, I do a lot of coaching and training and stuff and I get some <laughs> weird questions. And uh, again, I, I've talked about this topic and I've actually like done work where I've like done a training workshop and then I go coach and then I find out that people got really frustrated when they, when they, we talked about open work environment in, in the workshop because they said, well, we're not empowered to change anything. And then they found out that, wow, we can't even move furniture because then we need to like get a permit. We got to move electrical and it, it would cost a lot of money. So the key thing, if you're thinking about a workspace is think about how to make it really easy to move things around. So if anything, it's not only an open workspace, but it's a it's it's where there's no permanent structures, and so you Mo- can, modular. Yeah, well, I don't even know. Mo- trust me, there's some modular furniture that you can't move. Uh, well, I've seen like modular flooring that allow that has power outlets in it that allows you to move it. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, not to get into design, but I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, you, you got to have your electrical move, so you need like a raised floor. You need a trough where you can drop wiring down. Uh, you need ways that you can have desks, and and of course, another challenge is some environments. Like I, I know, I, I don't know if anyone else here. I mean, I know I've worked in an environment where even as a as a, a as like as a developer, I was not allowed to move my computer. If I want to move my computer, <laughs> I had to like op- open a ticket and wait for the help desk to show up and it would take three days and all i want to do is move it from like one side to the other side and Tice, I, I think i think that we've worked at the uh the same places multiple times well <laughs> I, i'm just saying that because one thing is these are some of the impediments that that are changeable and and i want what i want people to understand again because I know people listen to our podcast, maybe who are not developers, maybe they're more managers, or and and these are the impediments that maybe making your staff or your your developer teams and your your I'll say your engineering staff, it may be making them really frustrated. It's like you know, okay, I understand. Yes, if I pick up my computer and I move it from one side of my cubicle to the other and I hurt my back, am I going to file a, work, a workman's cop claim? I think if you if you're the kind of person that's going to do that, I don't. I would encourage you not to and. Anyways, hey, I, I, I worked yeah. at a company once, Jason and Amos, where, um, and it was a it was a very large aircraft manufacturer and military contractor, and I was, I was actually um, told that I was not allowed to move any office furniture or computer equipment because that was a union job, and if any of the union furniture movers saw us moving equipment, they would file a grievance against me and the you know the, by by. Uh, my contractor. That that's what happened to me. I moved a computer from the floor up to the desk so that I could get to the CD-ROM a little easier. You yeah. know, back when we actually used those things. CD-ROM. And uh, the next morning, I came back in and my computer was back on the floor, and there was a, <laughs> a pretty nasty note on my desk that said if I needed it moved, I needed to call this number. When I called the number and told the guy who I was, he kind of chewed me out for fifteen or twenty minutes. I was like, you know, you're taking his uh, job, me, dude. Took, took me 30 seconds to move this and now we've talked about it for a half hour right (laughs) well and again understand that in some environments there are rules and policies that force restrictions like this but you know a a challenge we're talking about is again for an agile team to be successful what does it need guys what does it need you should know this 
Well, a, a word. Autonomy. Yeah, it needs autonomy. So, and this is where the, the, I tell you, the little things matter. So allowing a team to say, you know what, hey, um, you know, they set us up to pair and, you know, the people on our team are all different sizes and it's so tight that, you know, two, two larger people sit down at the keyboard and they just, it, it's too tight to the, like the workstation next to us. Let's yeah. just shift it over five feet, okay? Because if right. people are not comfortable in the workspace, what happens? They stop working as effectively. Yeah, they, they shut down. They, they, they lose engagement. So, um, At what point did this turn into 20 questions? I don't know. <laughs> every, every, every time we have Tyson. So I actually think <laughs> that you're right, Jason. Um, the autonomy is, is stifled and cubicles and offices are fascist. <laughs> I, I kind of want to like, so now we've talked about cubicles and offices and things like that. And we've talked about open workspaces and I run into a lot of people that believe that an open workspace is a big giant room yeah. that is completely open with 10 teams in there or whatever, however many teams the company has. And I, I just think that you can have open floor spaces for a team too. You could have like, almost like big conference rooms for each team. Right. So let, let's so define this. Rooms. Let's define this a little bit and you guys weigh in on this, but I'm going to give you the three definitions or the three types of open workspaces that I came up with. Uh, Rich Thorne, one of the, our listeners, he, he replied back on Twitter uh, privately to me about the email that I sent out talking about open workspaces. And one of the things that he pointed out was that, um, or no, I'm sorry, it was Marcelo Magalone that I had not, articulate it what what type of an open workspace i was talking about in the email so there's three that i see there's that blank slate it's wide open tables and chairs that's it right no offices for anybody right even hr that's fine i mean if there's a few offices but i'm you know whatever i'm talking about for for the developers and for the teams big open space blank slate and then multiple teams in the same area. Yep, multiple teams. And, and then the there's the then there's the movable wall type where you've got like sliding whiteboards or sliding partitions on wheels or just on sliding platforms that can be moved around that are then kind of assembled into temporary team areas, okay? And then the third one is something that's semi uh semi-permanent, semi-private partitions that you need like um, you need like a union carpenter to install. You know these are these are like real walls. Like if if I threw Amos into it, it wouldn't budge, which I would love to do one day. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Just kidding. So those are the three kinds of open areas that I'm talking about. Do you guys have uh, any additional flavors in on that? I was in this one place, and I I, I want to say it's a kind of a mixture between permanent and semi-permanent. I wish I could remember this company because I thought it was fantastic. They had like team areas were lowered. So there were like two steps down into a team area and the team could do whatever they wanted down there. They could have movable partitions or whatever in that area. And they, it was all over like this, like a bunch of little like dip down two step down things with walkways in between. It made it really easy to walk between the teams and kind of glance around and see what people were working on, which was nice because I was just visiting there. So I could see what somebody was working on and be like, man, I just want to jump down in there and, and see what they're doing. It was nice having that 
raised walkway between the team. I'm sorry, Miss. I'm laughing because I'm just saying I could go awfully wrong. It's like the I know John loves to use the term um, assert your dominance. What? You know, so well, no. So that like the um the the manager or the oh, the the, the right. misintended scrum master or product owner could could stand up and like look down upon the people working in the. I mean. These are Inter- these are not, my minions. I did not see that happening at this place, well, but this way, I could see that being misused. That, that's really good. And again, I, I know John likes to talk about that. You know, like oh, looking down on people, and so that I mean, there's a, again, but, Edward Dibby. There's a lot of truth to that. We need to respect people. And what's really cool, what you're describing, is that environment. They obviously had their culture. They, they had they had a good understanding of of, of good culture because I, I people were doing that. They didn't start out with that kind of space. They built that later. And the whole idea was to actually increase communication because if you're raised up like that and walking through back to your team and you walk past other teams, you can see like what's going on at like an overhead view pretty easily, which would cause people to be like, hey, that looks cool. What are you guys doing? And they would like walk down in there and then have a conversation. And that helped actually spread communication through yeah, across well, teams. Well, the one thing that I really like about that, that I'll share, cause actually I've seen that done. Um, I've actually seen that done the other way where the team areas were like up two steps. And the reason they did that is they were built on these risers so they could move wired around. So it was actually like a raised floor, but between the different team areas where they had the raised floor, there was an aisle that was on the slab. So it was interesting configuration. But what I liked is it, it, it kind of established some ground rules for you know, when you're in the team area or you're in the pit and when you're not. And so if I'm walking by, there's kind of like you can have a rule to say that it's, you know, if you really want to work with that team and ask questions, you need to step into that area and you need to check in. Because something I'll share, even recently, I was I had a, a, an individual confronted me because they they were struggling because they said, you know, our team area, it's it's really hard to focus because people are coming in and they're coming out and some guy from another team comes in and just starts talking and um, you know he's talking to someone who's there and they, they, they stop pairing and because we're sitting so close to each other, it's like it, it's hard to stay focused because that outsider came in and there was no what, – what I like is there's a clear distinction when you're stepping from kind of public space into a team space where maybe you need to think about some rules of engagement. And that's why I like the movable whiteboards. I think that whiteboards and and corkboards are super functional for a team and having them movable, the team can expand or contract as they need to. And you can kind of block off an area and make yourself semi private so that it it makes that area where, hey, if you come in here, you're you're part of working with this and you can kind of block even off the entrance if you need to, if the team is like really needing to talk to each other. Well, John, just to go, since you asked Amos, I'm going to interject here because you asked for other things that would constitute an open workspace that were not what you described. And I had one that was kind of, I want to say unique because I worked with an organization or had the privilege of working with an organization where they they went out and they, they got a historic building that had a, large, a lot of large rooms. So like large rooms, kind of like a, you know, think about like an old, old home, you know, where the rooms were huge, uh, but there were physical walls um, that you couldn't move. And they basically effectively let their staff move into this thing and kind of went, I want to say, full bore on to self-organization, at least for the workspace, and say, hey, find a corner, find a, a nook. They they had some small like tables and chairs that were easy to move around, and, and that was it, and it worked. It was really cool. Some, some teams kind of 
squeezed into the a little small room and there were like eight people in there and other people found like a some guy sat in the hallway because he liked it. Uh, it was it was weird, but it was really cool. I thought. Is that an open workspace? Yeah, it is. I mean, it it, qual- it qualifies because it's that team room concept, right? It's it's just like the it's like the semi private partitions. Yeah, and, and the thing I liked it about just it happens really, to be a house. Well, and, but or the thing a big I liked building. The, well, the thing I liked about it, it had what I want to call nooks and crannies. Yeah. So, because something I know where teams struggle is, and and a, a great, it's again, it's noise. Some people really need that quiet environment, and it's hard. So they could go find a quiet environment. And other people like, you know, like I think the three of us who are probably uh, get a little uh, an honor badge for saying we're loud. We could maybe figure out a good place for us to work where we could be loud and not bother other people. And, and we right. could make that all work. I, I kind of like in listening to this and, you know, we, you have mentioned autonomy before is I kind of want to change the definition of what I think of when I think of open workspace, which is more like a an open area where you can move stuff around and do things. I really just want to say it's a building where you have autonomy to move and put your team wherever it can be, as long as it's not infringing on another team. So let me ask a question. Cause I, you know, I've always said, you know, and I've, I've always, when I've said, ah, Jason, do I want to start a company? Yes or no. And I've said, what kind of space would I get? It's fun. It's a fun conversation to have. Um, I'll share. Actually, I had it with my parents once and, you know, uh, uh I kind of had to disconnect with my dad because he's like, oh, yeah, you're going to pull all your offices up on the top and all this stuff and cubicles. And I'm like, you know, dad, that's that's not how it goes anymore. And we'll talk about it in the future. Anyways, <laughs> I think you get a space and, and maybe maybe like a warehouse or something. But I would think I'd want to have it where there's a lot of open space where people can go self-organize. But I think I would want to have some rooms, you know, like call them conference rooms or gathering spaces and you know, so I, I want to put that out there for, for feedback for you guys. Should I have those? Because there's pros and cons to having, you know, places where people go for gatherings, like call it or call them conference rooms. You know, what do you guys think? Customer meetings. I think that you need to have them. Agreed. Like but, you've, you've got to have a room where you can go and shut the door and make a phone call. Well, let me ask you. Well, or, or just have or just have a, a a loud ruckus meeting that's not going to necessarily disrupt the entire open floor plan area i I would i personally would like an open floor plan in the middle with some rooms on the outside but none of those rooms are you allowed to just like go occupy like even your team you can't really just go in there and occupy it for the next six months okay but see that's right how do because you know so because i've talked to people that say like i actually have a buddy i know who worked in an environment where they tried like the no conference room thing they actually and they tried it hardcore for like four months and literally people pulled their head out so then they said okay fine they they came in they built out some conference rooms and then all of these bad patterns happened because basically they they had a very open they had good communication there was a lot of transparency because you couldn't hide anywhere and there was you know communication was in the air the second they put those conference rooms in now we've got trust issues we've got this perception that there's like secret deals going on um and and so it's interesting i mean what do you guys think i mean should do we need those or are there ways we can have rules to keep them used the right way i don't i don't so the the building a room causing a trust issue is tells me that they didn't have the right thing going on in the first place and there are bigger problems okay I, I just that that's 
that's really sad that that's what happened. I was like super excited when you first started talking about it because it was like, hey, it's like minimal marketable feature of a building. You start with an empty space and then build a room as you need it. Or it's um, called it's called really but, cheap per square foot is what it's also called. <laughs> yeah. Well, what could, what could you do? Like if you had that kind of thing, could you make the conference rooms glass all the way around? Could you say as long as you're quiet, you are allowed to walk into any conference that's going on. I think the the issue that we need to address next on this topic of open workspaces is really around productivity and disruption. Because I'm guessing that well I'm I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna taint it that way. I, I just wanna I wanna move into that subject area because I want to see what you guys think. Are you let's start with Jason. Jason, do you feel that teams and people are more or less productive in an open workspace. I'm going to, as everyone can imagine, have a complicated answer. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, they are more productive, but there could be higher variances in their productivity. Okay, Amos, what do you think? Um, I... I kind of want to agree with Tice. I think uh, if you look at like a year time period, you're going to find that they're more productive. If you look at maybe a single week, you might or a single day, you might have a really bad productive day. Uh, But I I think that um, the open workspace along with the autonomy is what really matters. What do you guys think is causing those really bad times or really bad days where productivity drops off? Jason. So, so a specific example I had a couple of years ago, um, working with a team. And again, there's kind of a few issues that are kind of commingled in this, and I'll call them out. So we had a team, open work area, everyone sitting together, everyone working and pairing on their work, you know, development, even working on stories together and such. And in the environment, they then fall came and literally, well, I don't know. It doesn't matter who it was. Someone got sick and then literally – for like two months, people were sick and no one took any days off because a lot of people didn't have – the company only had like time off. And so with the holidays coming up, no one wanted to use their time off to take sick days because they all wanted to take their holiday vacations. And so we had a whole team that was basically sick for about two and a half months and they're coughing and you know all kinds – and. I know they were less productive than if they had been healthy. And do you think that was because they were simply in close proximity to each other in an open workspace? I'm going to say, and I'm not going to say that cubicles are germ. They're not cubicles are not germ domes. Okay. You can get sick working in a cube, but I think that there are some practices, you know, hand sanitizer, wash your hands. Don't pick your nose. Don't touch your eye. There are some, there's some common sense things that maybe become a little more important when you're working 18 inches from someone and they're like coughing or whatever. Some of it's prevention and some of it's also, you know, how do you, how do you keep yourself safe? Well, and I, I, I think that that's not an open workspace problem. No, it's not. You're going you're gonna to have that so. same problem. You're going to have that same problem if you have an office. If you work closely with someone else, you're going to have that same problem. And you need to have the relationship to say, hey, dude, either go home or put on this mask if you're going to be coughing all day. Like, 
So, well, but but again, how do you think that makes people feel? How does what make them feel? Well, first of all, where I would take this in a conversation we had there, I said this goes back to autonomy. And and even to go back to what we were talking uh, recently about incentives and, you know, we talked about Daniel Pink and Carrot and Stick in one of our, and actually in our last episode, if you're listening sequentially, you know, it, it put put the put the like the time away aside. If someone's sick, if anything, the team should be able to say, you know, we feel this is a distraction. You know, it's okay to go home and just just do it. Agreed. Yes. Let's move on from the sickness discussion. What is what are the what are the things that have happened where you've seen that productivity falls? And I'm going to give you an example. I've seen it where a team is joking around, and uh, maybe that infects, <laughs> so to speak, another team. Right? I've seen uh, seen that where where you and I all work together, uh, that people are having a good time, and that good time infects another team. So that that cuts into productivity. However, I think that that's actually nice team building when that sort of sort of thing breaks out. Now, does it affect your productivity? Yeah. But I do think that there's there's a positive upside to it. And I think that positive upside may possibly outweigh the productivity loss that occurs. So it might increase the productivity the over next time. Moment. It may because yes. you're happy. That's that's why I talked about one day. Don't look at yeah. look at a year. Exactly. Okay. Okay. But if we're gonna talk about again things that are correlated. What if I have like a, a a chat tool like HipChat, Slack, one of those things going, and I and and it's used loosely in my organization. And next thing you know, people are on it on the random channel, posting pictures of cats eating cheeseburgers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And oh, look at cat eating cheese! Oh, look, here's the tattoo I got this weekend. Hey, if you've got a tattoo, so put it on the you know. I mean, that goes around an office too, and yeah, it, 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 it's the same thing, John. It's it's, it's like ooh. it's the thing is when is that that chat room is easier to ignore for the people who don't want to be involved with it. than if you have an open floor plan and the guy's going around and showing his tattoo to everybody and shoving it in your face. Not a bad metaphor. I also don't believe that you would be able to build the same level of team bonding through a chat room as you would be able to build in person. So I don't know. I mean, this person in the, this Maria uh, Konakova, the author of this article really, really played up the fact that her personal productivity was significantly disrupted. And I want to be, I want to be really brutally honest with you guys for a second and say that I think I slack off more when I have the perception that I'm alone than when I feel that I'm, that there are eyes on me, right? If I'm in an open workspace, I certainly feel like there are more eyes on me than if I was in a cubicle or open workspace, or I'm sorry, or an office. So I think that this person, I I think when I hear, when I hear people, especially like this author who I don't know saying that she's more productive in an office, I don't believe that for one single minute. And what I actually believe is that it's these people crying because they've lost they've lost this entitlement of their office or their cubicle. And what they're actually complaining about is the fact that now they're going to have to work harder than they have been And I don't think that they're doing that on purpose. And I do think that there are many people who feel that they are so much more distracted that they are not more productive. Okay. 
But, Jason? But John, so uh, I guess I'm over here and have you ever, have you ever, and I don't want to open a can of worms here, but have we ever, do you guys know about styles of work? Yes. Okay. Cause you can mm-hmm. get, there are ways you can get your work style mapped or understood. And so certain types of work for certain types of people require different stimuli. Cause I'll share that sometimes based upon what I need to do. And, and again, I work in an open environment. I need to find a place where I can go and crank it or medit or, or release. And guess what? I do it best if I could go have some, I was going to say some isolated space. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't mean I don't like to collaborate. Doesn't mean I don't trust people. It's like the nature of the work. I mean, it's like going through something really complex and I'm like, dude, I need to get my head around this. I need to go look at it, be quiet. And guess what? I'm a team guy. Give me 20 minutes and I'll be back. I also worked with a person that took it upon themselves to lock themselves in a conference room for two months to study a data model uh, so that they could understand what they were doing before they wrote a line of code when they were a new person on the team. So two months spent in a, in a conference room studying a data model. Okay. That's so, bullshit. Okay. So again, real life, <laughs> real life. Okay. But real life for this is what is this? What do you need to do here? You need agile practice. You need to have some working agreements. Okay. And when you write working agreements, um, something that I encourage people to do is don't, don't try to be, you know, uh, don't try to, don't try to like martyr yourself for the team. No. If you know you have a need for something like I'm saying right here, where sometimes if I'm doing something really complex, I need, I need to call time out and get my head around it and go vanish. That is not disrespectful, but I want to make sure my team understands that. So they, and, and maybe they, you know, maybe the team says, you know, I would say we need a work agreement that maybe it's only half hour. Then they come back and, and, and come up for air. So I can't go in the conference room for two months like John's describing. And, and that's fine. And I get that. And I, I, I understand what you're saying, Jason, that I've heard people say, especially writers, that they need, uh, they need uninterrupted time to, to get into flow with their writing. Okay, I, I, think that that, I think writing is a lot like writing code, and, and I've done both, um, so I think I, can, I think I can talk intelligently about this and say that both both of in my in my experience, I can do both of those in open workspaces. I can write in an open workspace and I can code in an open workspace. So if you're a person that says, I can't work in an open workspace, I don't ever want to see your ass at a Starbucks. Even with headphones on. <laughs> because and say, Ooh, I'm 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 uh I'm really working hard today because because a Starbucks is five times more distracting than an open, any open workspace I've yeah, ever but, been in. But you're saying like headphones and these days, I mean, you get some really good like noise canceled ones. I mean, I'm talking about, go. I'm talking about people putting their ass in your face as they're squeezing by and, and, <laughs> and spilling coffee on a table. And, and, you know, the, there's a lot of, ex, there's a lot of additional stimuli in a Starbucks as opposed to an open workspace. So, John, one thing I want to draw your attention to is, again, we're talking about – you talked about different types of work. I, I'll share for me what it is. is it's, it's the complexity of the work. I understand. So I, it, I just want like, a couch to go crash on whenever I need a break. Yep, me too. Well, I, I like to sleep for 10 minutes, and I don't care <laughs> if there's a bunch of loud noise in the room. Yeah. If I am exhausted from working on a problem, I can go – I can sleep. You can sleep anywhere. 
And then Amos yep. loves it so much he'll come work for you and work for your company and sleep in the office. I will. I've done that. I know you have. <laughs> so, but I think that's a good thing, actually, that we've kind of, that Amos, you've kind of pivoted us into, which I think is good to talk about. Because right now, all we've really talked about is the open space, and we've talked about the desks and the, the tables for the team and the computers, and I asked about conference rooms. But Amos, what you're saying is there's a few other things we need to put in this open space to make it be, uh, I'll use the term, hospitable. What are some of those? A place to crash for 10 minutes. Yeah, or, or, or put it this way, to kind of like what I just said, I think, again, and this is if you're designing a space, I think you need to have, you know, call it a place to release. You know, maybe that's a quiet quarter. Maybe that's a place where, again, people can go away. Maybe it's a place where there's some fun stuff. So maybe there's a, a foosball table, ping pong table, uh, you know, whatever ping stuff you want. Ping pong tables are great, especially when you hit the CEO in the face with a ping pong. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm, we, we, I'm sure, you know, there's a phone for our listeners. If you have a ping pong table story about your office, please tweet us. Tweet it. It'd be funny. <laughs> Better yet, take a picture of some ping pong disaster or people playing ping pong. Put Tweet it out there. It'd be, it'd be funny because ping pong tables cause a lot of problems. Uh, I, I know yeah. a few of us used to work for a company that had a ping pong table. And it, I don't know the story, but all I know is one day it was gone. And then about a week later, we heard it was about the noise because it does make noise. So it was it was not the noise. It was um, a customer got hit with a ball. <laughs> oh, well, OK. OSHA got involved. But <laughs> I, I guess it's, it's I always bad call. when a customer gets hit with ball, a ball oh. balls. Well, they, a ball. they open the door to the room and the ball hit him in the face. <laughs> OK, but but all kidding aside, what I want to say is. So I think something where open spaces or sorry, where the open space offices have gone wrong is some people they don't take a step back and actually think about it. It's like, okay, you you need a ping pong table. That means you need to maybe put it over in the corner so it's yeah. far away. But then again, if you put it in a corner based upon how your building's built, that may actually amplify the noise. So I, I think sometimes people don't an open space has challenges because people don't think about it or they don't realize that maybe when they try to do something, there's some flaws. And so what I want to say is what would, what would agile tell us we should do in that case? Uh, you get what you need for the team that you have. Well, or I, I would say you should, you should inspect and adapt. So don't, you know, so again, if you're a person, you're in this open environment and you are frustrated, and I know these people are out there. They've been talking to me recently, so I know they're out there. Take a step back and try to figure out what the problem is. And then have a conversation. I know before John was talking to kind of wrap a few things that we talked about. John was talking about how you had to call the union. Um, ask questions. Do you have to call the union? Can you move the furniture? If you can't move the furniture, why? You know, could we change that policy? You know, that kind of stuff. You know, ask more questions and, and don't be afraid to say, hey, this is something that would help me be a better member of the team or of the company if we could work through this. Here's here's another bit of advice that I'm going to give, Jason, and this is to all of the directors and vice presidents and MBAs oh, that are oh, out there. Oh, yes, it's time for the it's time for the annual MBA. edition of This Agile Life when John makes a bad MBA joke. Here we go. When I bash I don't think it's a joke. This is MBA advice. Oh, yeah, this so is MBA bashing is what it is. Yes. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And now the John Sextro MBA bashing moment. Oh yes. Dun, dun, dun. My advice my advice to these people is if you want to have a ping pong table or an arcade cabinet or any of this fun stuff, 
really think about it before you go out and get it. Don't just get it because you're like, we want to be cooler and have an arcade cabinet, or we want to be cooler <laughs> and have a ping pong table. Because you have to consider that people are going to want to use that. What I see is in places that I've been, almost without exception, every one of the places I've been that has one of these fun things, the directors and the vice presidents bitch about people using them. Oh, so-and-so has been using the ping pong table, or so-and-so is constantly going in and using the arcade cabinet. Can people abuse those privileges? Yes. but. If you're going to put them there, please let people use them without constantly talking about how people are using the things that you put in there for people to use. That's right. Just shut up or get rid of it. It's explicit. You have to make policies explicit. So you have to go to play ping pong. You have to put part of your paycheck into the meter and it will tell you how much (laughs) time you have to pay for. You have to pay for it's called pay for ping pong. Nothing's free. Eight. You have 18 minutes of ping pong and then your ball explodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hope so you're not what? holding guess it. What? Full circle. <laughs> what does this all go back to? What's our A word of the day? A word. Autonomy. Autonomy. Yes. Have to go back to that. This week's hottest picks. Okay. I'm going to go first on this episode. I have two quick picks. Uh, they're actually related. My first one is this nice little HDMI switch that I came across. It's manufactured by Monoprice, and uh, it, it's very inexpensive. I think it's maybe 30 bucks. I've got it right here in my tab. It's I'm sorry, it's actually $40. But what I like about it is if you're in an open workspace and you have a TV monitor for your Kanban board or whatever, scrum board, work board, whatever you want to call it, uh, you can put this HDMI switch box there, connect it to your TV, and then throw all these other cables off of it. It's got like up to four, I think. So you've got your TV on one and then two or three other, two, three, four other ones to plug in. And if you guys want to like put up some code, do a code review, put up some code, do some pairing on the TV. It's real simple to do. You don't have to like pass cables around. It's got this nice little remote control. So it switches the HDMI um, on this box and it's just convenient. I have one in my workspace at work. We use it all the time when we're doing things, when we're doing demos and code reviews. Um, And it's mainly because we have one of these corporate networks where you can't just have like a Google Chromecast and uh, have it connected to the network and and then just stream to it. So if if you have an office environment where you don't have these network restrictions, there's better ways to go about it. But for us, this works great. And then my other pick is a Raspberry Pi. So last week, Amos was talking about some hardware stuff, and uh, I wanted to talk about Raspberry Pi and say that I'm going to get one, I'm going to get a Raspberry Pi, and I'm going to use it at work to host our work board on the TV so that we don't have to take up um, a loaned laptop to do that with. So those are my two picks, and both Jason and Amos are making all kinds of faces at me. It's too bad we don't publish the video uh, consistently because then that would kind of rein them in but jason you're up so, for your picks oh my goodness so yeah so first pick is we'll do video since uh i, I actually rolled video when we did the episode i recorded so i i, I could push a button and make us have video i just didn't push it tonight so next so no. bonus pick video video i have three though really what we talked about so uh First one, it was inspired by our conversation at the end about the ping pong table. And 
So I, I, I built a game uh, in 2014 called Incentivize Us Properly, Please. It's a game all about providing teams autonomy so they can design an incentive system that they really value. And it's interesting. One of the one of the things that the team can buy in the game, if they choose that they want it, is a is a team uh, a fun area like with a ping pong table. What's interesting when I play the game with with teams, that's one of the things they always kind of pick out because they think it'd be fun. I've played the game with like managers or NBAs, and they never pick that. So an interesting story. Um, check it out. You can download the stuff from it from Agile twenty fourteen. Uh, since we talk a lot about conferences, uh, this was interesting. I found a list of the top 50 Agile uh, conferences, which is uh, like, that includes like Lean, Scrum, and Kanban. It's an article, so it's a top 50 list, and um, it's, uh, it's interesting. So uh, you can see where your favorite conference is. Uh, the top conference was the Lean Startup Conference, and it was interesting to see where some of the other conferences panned out. So check the list out. We got the link online. Uh, and the last one that I just want to share again, more conference stuff. So we're, we're as you know, Ag this Agile Life is uh, going to make an appearance at the Agile Games Conference in 2015, which is in Yay! May, May 2015 in Boston. Uh, this year, a, a new thing we're doing with Agile Games is we're doing a submission process to pick out some things for the program, kind of like some other conferences do. So uh, right now it's January 2015. And we are, we're up and running. We're looking for submissions. So if you got an idea, you want to share a game, you want to do a workshop about building a game, you want to talk about how to debrief a game, these are all the types of things we're looking for for Agile Games 2015. We've got a link uh, in the show notes to where you can go right into our submission site, which is on Comp Engine. And we would love to hear your ideas. And we will be making choices in the February 2015 timeframe. And we'll be in touch. It'd be great to have some listeners. Um, Get have some listeners uh, submit some ideas and then come do it at the conference and we'll talk about it on the podcast that we're going to do there. So those are my three picks. So sorry, four picks. Bonus one. Video done. Amos, go. All right. So uh, kind of following along with last week, my pick of the Tesla is I've been having a lot of fun playing with it after I got it. Um, I actually. Uh, did a coffee profile roaster. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that I roast my own coffee and I wanted to graph the temperature of that coffee over time and be able to put some things. Uh, so that's one of my picks is uh, um, my project that I did with the Tesla. I, I uploaded to the Tesla website and all the code and everything. Uh, I didn't write tests. So um, yeah, that was crappy, but I'm still trying to learn how to write tests whenever you're interacting with hardware. Uh and then my next pick is along with that is the gimbal beacon is I want to turn on and off the lights in my office whenever I walk in. So the gimbal beacon is a little um, low energy Bluetooth BLE uh, um, beacon for five bucks that you can just put in your pocket. It runs off of a battery. It'll hook to a, a keychain. It's pretty awesome. Um, the the directions, I thought it was just going to be plug and play like put the battery in and it was set, but it was a little more complicated than that. So um, pay attention to that. And then my last pick is something that, that Tice told me I should pick um, is an article. I wrote, let your yes be yes. And your no be no. Uh, and it's just about like, you know, stand by your guns whenever uh, you say something's going to take you two days to do. And the manager says, Oh, I think you can I think you can do it in one. Just, say no no i said two. stick to your guns and there's a lot of reasons why uh and that's all my picks for tonight 
Those are some really good picks, guys. Thanks for sharing those. And that's all we have time for today. Check out thisagilelife.com for these show notes and all our past episodes. Thanks for listening and keep living this agile life. This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.